0: It all began about a month ago um, when Jeff had decided that we're going to start going through 1 John, which I love, First John, and that we're going to start going through that, and then about a month ago, he released the preaching schedule. So we're back to having sort of rotating rotating um, schedule of different preachers, and I went down the list, and I looked to see when I was going to preach. So the two weeks ago, it had Jeff preaching, and it said, Jeff's going to do the introduction of 1 John, awesome. Then it said last week, Jeff was going to talk about how God is the light and how we are to walk in the light. And then it had my name for this week. And guess what the subject is? Sin. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and I'm thinking, thank you, Jeff. (laughs) But I will say he ended up redeeming himself and this is how okay is because i had been studying for the last several weeks thinking about how am i going to talk about the subject of sin um you know i mean it's just one we all love to talk about so much um and so i was going through i'd gone down even last week towards the end of the week i was down to thinking okay this is how how i want to talk about it. this is how i want to go through it and so I thought, well, you know, I need to, I want to pick back up on, because as you're going to see today, our verse that we're going to start in is where Jeff ended last week. And so I want to see, I didn't really hear his sermon last week, because I'm back there doing the technology, and so I don't really hear, this, hear what he says much, so I thought, I'd better go back and listen to what Jeff said for his whole sermon last week. And about 20 minutes before the end, Jeff starts launching into the whole subject of sin. And I'm listening to it, I'm going... He is saying everything I want to say. He is saying it so well about exactly what sin is, what it does to us, um, how it is based on our pride, how it separates us from God. I mean, he was going through it and I'm just thinking, okay, crumple up the sermon, (laughs) throw it out. What am I going to do, all right? And so as I was continuing to listen as he got to the end, you know, he always has those great questions that he puts up there. He has some different questions that he was asking at the end of the sermon last week. And the second question that he asked was this. It was, are there areas you find it especially difficult to trust God? Now, I know from most of you, that's probably not the case. But for many of you like me, I know it is. And I'm thinking, okay, are there areas you find it especially difficult to trust God? And that sort of hit me. I'm sitting in the darkness, not in the light, trying to think, okay, what am I going to do my sermon on? And then Jeff said this quote. He said, I think this is part of the journey, that is trusting God. I think this is part of the journey as we walk into the light is learning to trust God with more and more and more of ourselves. Let me say that again. I think this is part of the journey as we walk into the light, is learning to trust God with more and more and more of ourselves. That is the essence of the Christian life. That is ultimately, if someone says, what is the Christian life all about? It is all about learning more and more and more how to trust God. And On Tuesday night, us men are going through Isaiah. The entire book of Isaiah is the constant question, Will you trust me? It is the question through all of Scripture. It is a question that started at the beginning when God created humans created us in his image. And then we said, no, we don't really want to trust you, God. We're going to listen to the serpent instead. All right? And everything just went (laughs) kaboop. Okay? I mean, that's where it all started, was that we did not want to trust God. And we wanted to trust ourselves, and we wanted to trust others. And the whole story of Scripture is ultimately around how do we come back to trust God? And we're going to talk about who is the person who helps us and is the only one that can to trust God today as we look at these passages. So as I was thinking about that just hit me. I'm like, how do we trust God more and more? And what came to my mind was the question how we trust God and how we learn to trust Him more and more comes down to do we know how to treat God? Do we know how to treat God? I don't know if you've ever even thought about that question before. We think a lot about how others treat us, don't we? How others treat us or how we are supposed to treat others. But do you ever think about how are we to treat God? That's what I want to look at today. And if you look at the definition, Nan, if you could put it up there. This is the definition of treat, not trick-or-treat, not about candy, all right, or treat you get, but how do we treat one another? This is the definition it gives in the dictionary. It says, the definition of treat is to consider or regard a person in a specified way, and also to act or behave toward a person in a specified way. Both of those encompass how we treat someone. So, for example, We treat someone, hopefully, based on we get to know them over and over over time. We begin to trust them. We learn who they are. We learn their character. We learn if their actions are consistent with their character. And over time, we learn how to really, really regard them, consider them as a person, someone we've had this experience with. And based on that then, too, we also then will treat them often accordingly is we will act and behave based on what we've seen within their character and what's interesting when it comes to people type treating back and forth is that as we treat one another we get to know them more and more we may start to treat them differently we may find out there's things that happen in their lives that change how we treat them so let me give you an example of that about uh, back in July, August, I don't know exactly when, but my daughter came to this service to listen to me preach, and she is back there right now. Allison, you can just wave, <laughs> all right? And at the time, Allison came with her boyfriend, who John is right next to her. They came together, okay, a few months ago to hear me preach. In fact, I have to say, the very first time they started dating, the very first day, I think, um third day of their dating they actually came to church to hear me preach. I'm like, yeah, there's a good man. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, my daughter who is 22, I'm her father obviously, and I've been treating her as a daughter my entire life, all right? And you can ask her about how well I've done with that or not. <laughs> all right? But something happened back at the end of August that changed how I treat my daughter. I still treat her as my daughter. But at the end of August, I had the privilege. I'm so great. I had the privilege of marrying those two. So so they are both married now. And so it was um, just a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. But I, I had the privilege of marrying them. But as now if you think about it, As I treat my daughter and consider how I treat her, I don't just treat her base as my daughter, which I will, but I'm also to treat her as the one who is married to John. I'm to treat her a little differently than just as my daughter. She's now married. And in fact, I try to think about that as I talk to her on the phone. She'll call me as she usually does. And I think just a few weeks ago, she called me and they were, she was, and John were trying to figure out some different things are going on, sort of a little crisis going on. Um, and I was talking to her and I kept saying, if she remembers, I kept saying, well, so what does John think about that? You're married now, right? So if you're married, it's not just about what you think about it or how you're feeling, what does John think about it? So I would ask her that question, we were on FaceTime, and she would go, well, here's John right here. And I'm like, yes, okay, (laughs) awesome. So, you know, those types of things, I'm going to treat her differently based on something she's done. She's now married. I'm going to treat John differently because he's not just someone that she knows, but he is now my son-in-law, all right? And so as you think about it, how we treat one another is based on both getting to know them but also different things that happen and that is also true with god and our relationship with god as we think about how we are to relate with god how we are to treat god all right we also have to consider who is god what has he done how do i trust him how should i act towards him What's different though with God is that we have one place in which to learn that, don't we? We have the Word of God. We have the Bible. This is how we learn to find out. Over thousands of years, God is revealing to us how to treat Him. He's showing us who He is about considering. He's showing us who He is, how He has acted, how He has acted on our behalf. He is showing what He has done throughout history. And he's also saying, based on that, this is how you are to act towards me. This is how you are to treat me. A good example of this is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, and this is, I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians 5.16. And if you have that, I think, um, there we go. Yep, Pew Bible, page 9.66. So 2 Corinthians 5:16, a famous passage of Paul that some of you might have heard before. But I want you to see how Paul treats Jesus based on something that has changed. So in 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, I said 15, 2 Corinthians 5. If you take a look at verse 16, and I'm going to read the second sentence of 16. Listen to how Paul talks about Jesus here. He says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. At one point in time, Paul regarded Christ in the flesh. That means he regarded Jesus as just one of us. Maybe a really, really good teacher, all right, with a lot of good wisdom. But he looked at Jesus and he said, he's just human. He's just one of us. But Paul is now referring to after Christ died on the cross, after Christ was resurrected, something has changed. And he says, no longer do I regard Christ just as a human anymore. I now am going to regard him differently. And why does he regard him differently? If you go up just a couple of verses in verse 15... It says, the reason why he regards him no longer as just a man only, it says, he regards him now because it says, that one who has died, meaning Jesus Christ, that one who has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might live, no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. No longer do we treat Christ as just a man. Jesus is a man, but we treat him now as the Son of God who died on the cross for everybody. And that is how we are to change how we treat him based on that. And then Paul tells us how he treats Christ now. And I love this. Look at the very beginning of verse 14. What is it that controls everything that Paul does now? He says, for the love of Christ controls us. I love that. For the love of Christ controls us. How does he treat Jesus now? How does he treat God now? Everything is based around Jesus Christ. So you see there that just right in these passages, we see how we, how God is even telling us how to treat him. He's saying, these are the things I've done for you. This is who I am. This is my character. Consider it. Regard it. Which means think on it. Don't just go, oh, yeah, I know God does this really think and consider how that changes how we treat him and then god also in his word tells us how we're to behave towards him how to act towards him how to treat him so it's the subject of how do we treat god that i want us to look at today and i want us to walk through the passages in first john that we're in asking that question how do we treat god and i want to do that you can put that up, Dan. I want to do that asking these different questions here as we walk through these passages, and we'll we'll hopefully go at a pretty good pace here. As we go through these passages, we're going to take and ask two main questions as we read, and this is something for you to think about when you're reading scripture. The first question is, how are we to regard God based on who he is and what he has done for us? That's the first question, and what's going to be interesting is you're going to find out how God tells us how to do this. The Word tells us how we're to consider Him now. Then the second thing is, based on that, how are we now to act or think, act or behave towards God, others, ourselves, based on who God is and what He has done? Okay, a little different way of going through Scripture today. Hopefully it helps, all right? So let's get started. We'll just walk through So... We're to we're in First John. So turn to page, one, zero, two, one. And as I go through the different passages up here, you can see if you've got the Pew Bible it'll tell you which page to go in. And we're going to just walk through these different passages. And what we're going to really focus on today is primarily First John one, seven through 10 through First John two, two. But what I want to do is I want to practice asking those questions I talked about. By going through 1 John 1, 1 through 1, 7, which is what Jeff has covered over the last two weeks, all right? Again, as we go through her, I want you to, we're going to ask the question, how is God telling us to regard and consider him, and how is he telling us based on that we are to act towards him or towards others? Everyone got me? All right. So 1 John 1.1, I will have to tell you, this opening of 1 John is one of my favorite passages. In fact, I told Jeff, I said, can I preach on that? (laughs) He's like, no. (laughs) I'm going to open. I'm like, well, you should open. But I still love these passages, so I'm going to do it now. (laughs) All right? Very quickly. All right. Let me read through the passage. I'm going to go back through and ask those questions we just asked. So 1 John 1.1, 1 through 7. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk, walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is a light, we have fellowship with one another. I'm going to stop right there. So I want you to listen to how is God here talking? How is John revealing to us as to who God is, who Jesus is? That we are to consider, listen, First of all, it says that this person, who is obviously Jesus, he's talking about. He says this Jesus was from the beginning. All right. Now, if you go back to John, all right, one one, you find out more about this. He's saying this person I'm talking about, Jesus, was from the beginning. And in essence, he was a, he was there from the very beginning of time. All right, is what it means there. And then it says, which we have heard which we have touched with our which we have seen with our eyes which we have touched with our hands now if you think about that that's what we all do with each other i see all of you today okay you're people <laughs> you're humans i see you i hear you i shake your hand i give you a hug i mean this is a description of humans relating to humans this is the description of someone who is fully human. And then it says concerning, which is actually the word regarding that we're talking about here. It says now about this person, which is going to be Jesus that we touched and heard and saw and followed him around for many years. It says concerning the what word of life, something different. How do we consider this Jesus? Not just A human like the rest of us but he is the word of life it says the life that was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it we proclaim to you again another description that doesn't sound like one of us we testify and proclaim to you the eternal life this is the description of Jesus which was with the father another description of Jesus does not sound human And was made manifest to you. And which we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you. So you hear, are you listening to that? John's right here describing Jesus. And that we are to consider him, what? Fully human, fully like all of us. But also different. Fully God. With God from the beginning. Eternal life. The word of life. And so then what is said here is John says, now based on that, you are to do something different. Because what does it say we are to do? How are we to act towards this God and to each other based on that? It says we are to have fellowship, it says, with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son. As humans now, because of Jesus, we no longer just have fellowship with one another but our fellowship is directed around Jesus Christ, around God the Father. This is who we have fellowship with around. This is why we're here at church today, all right? We're not just here at church, just getting to know each other, talking to each other. We're all here focused on worshiping God, focused on learning who He is, focused on how to follow Him. So you see how, how do I treat this God? When I get together with people, I have fellowship, not just based on getting to know each other, but based on who God is. And then it says in verse 5, it continues, This message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And, and actually, Jesus is called. I think, Jeff, you said this last week. Jesus' own description of himself is, I am the light. All right, He's describing Jesus here. God is the light, and in him no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There's what we are to do. We are not to walk in the darkness, which means we are not to walk in sin. That's what really the correlation here between sin and darkness, outside of God's will. But we are to walk in the light because he is the light. So you see, how do we treat God based on who he is, who Jesus is? No longer are we to be walking in darkness. We are now to walk in light. No longer are we to walk in sin. We're to walk in following God. Now, here's a practical way in which we can do this. This is something that I learned from the pastor. I was um, a pastor up in the Bay Area. And he used it when he would talk about sin, he would be just really blunt about it. And he would say, You know, if you are know that you're tempted to do something, all right. And I'll just use an example. Okay, I can't think of it. You know, I'm tempted that if I go into a bar, I might get drunk. All right. If you're tempted to to do that, don't go. Well, let's see if I can sort of get close to that bar. (laughs) Maybe just walk in and say hi to a few people. All right. No, what he said is, which is what. the passage, uh, let's find it here. First uh, Timothy 6:11. What does it say when you know you're tempted by something? Flee, run away. Flee these things and instead pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and steadfast and gentleness. What's the practical way of how to treat God? You know you're not going to please God if you fall into sin. You know you're not going to please him if you walk into that bar and get drunk because that's what you've always done. So what do you do? You don't get close to the bar. (laughs) You flee. You go around. You find a different way to walk around. You don't tempt yourself. There is a practical way to say, hey, if I know this is something that leads me into sin, don't do it. Flee from it. Don't think, oh, let me just try to dabble in it. Flee. Get away from it. There is a practical way of how we can learn to treat God though in a way that will please him alright so let's continue first John 1 7 through 10 so this begins our actual passage to be that we're looking at today doing the same type of thing so I want you to listen to what first John and I'm going to start at the end of seven alright really important because it makes a transition here so the so seven it said but if we walk in the light and he is a light we have fellowship with one another And then listen to what it says. Why do we have all this fellowship? It tells us why very directly. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you hear that? Do you consider that? Do you know that? That is what, and when it says the blood of Jesus, it is referring to what Jesus did on the cross. That he there paid the price for our sins so we could have fellowship with him. This is the core message of our gospel, the good news. This right here, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. Something happened with God that changed the world 2,000 years ago. Changed how we relate to God 2,000 years ago and how we relate to him today. What happened on the cross? And I want to just read a passage from Hebrews. I think it's up there. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14 to just listen a little bit more. What did happen on the cross? What is something that happened one time that changed everything in the world, changed in how we relate to God? So Hebrews 9, 11... And again, as we read this, listen to what God is telling us about Christ, about himself, and how we are to act in response to that. So, Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest, now you're just learning something new about how to regard Christ He's not just our Lord and Savior, but he's also a high priest, the high priest, the great high priest. Why is he the high priest? Listen. As a high priest of the good things that have come, then through a greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands that is not of this creation, he, meaning Christ, entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, which is what it used to be in the Old Testament but by means of Christ's own blood, thus securing eternal redemption, which is really for all of us. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more? I love this statement. How much more? How much more, Christ? How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more should that purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How do we treat God? Listen to what he's done. Christ on the cross, once for all, died for all sin. No longer do we go around. I hope none of you are going around sacrificing chickens, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Or anything else. No longer does anything have to happen in regards to that because now one has died for all. This Christ died for all. Can we all say hallelujah? I mean, wow, hallelujah, <laughs> all right? This is the Jesus who died for us, all right? And once for all, but this is how we say, how, do, how should we treat God based on that? How does that change how, who I am and how I even relate to myself? Because notice what it says here. It is to purify our conscience. Little church, (laughs) we no longer have to live. If we know Jesus, we no longer have to live in the guilt of our sins. We no longer have to have whatever we've done in the past burden us and control us and change how we treat God and treat others. Because we now have been given a The pure, purified our conscience. We are free of sin. We are free of the guilt of that. We are free to live that way. I know for, amen. I know for so many of us, we we will tend to still think about the past, think of all the things I've done wrong, think about my life before Christ, and it will still be a burden on us. That burden's been taken away. Live as Christ of what he's done, treat him. And treat others, and treat yourself based on who He is; we are now he says, children of God, in relationship with God, free from sin, free from that slavery to sin. Hallelujah again, I mean, this is like this is what 's changed because of Jesus, and we are to start living this way. We are to start to try start treating God this way and now, I want you to notice what it says as it continues on this passage in first John. It says, "If we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." So right there, we know, as we've been talking about, <laughs> we we uh, we have sin, but that sin has been dealt with on the cross. But listen to what happens. Not only does Jesus say, "I've taken care of all your sins; they're gone once for all," but we all know we will. It tells us so. We will continue to sin. We will continue to say, I'm going to walk in the darkness instead of the light. But guess what? What Jesus did on the cross is not just for all the things in the past. It is also for us today. Because what does it say? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only is it what happened in the past, but today if you sin, if today you walk away from God, if today you hate your brother or sister, or you say something you know is a sin against them and which is also against God because that's not how to treat them, we just have to say, I confess that sin. And as we do that, what has already happened is we've been cleansed and we continue to be cleansed. We don't have to keep saying it over and over again. We just say, confess it to one another and say, I sinned before God. And that same cleansing that's already happened on the cross continues for us today. We, whatever happens today, you can ask for forgiveness and it's done. (laughs) Done. As you move into tomorrow, clean. Live in that freedom and continue in that freedom. And then it says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, God, a liar. And his word is not in us. We have sinned. We will continue to sin. But we have someone who cleanses that sin from us and continues to do that. In fact, if there was no sin, Jesus would not have died on the cross. He wouldn't have to. But there is, and this is what he has done for us. So then it says in chapter 2 of First John, it says... My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Now, I've also heard, and we can think, oh, I can't stop sinning, I can't stop sinning. You know, I'm a sinner and as Christians. You know, I'm just going to end up sinning. And John says to us right now, stop it. Stop talking like that and stop sinning because you know what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we do not have to keep sinning. In fact, John wrote this letter... He tells us right there, I'm writing this to you so that you do not sin. Okay? So we do have the ability in that freedom in Christ to say, I don't have to treat God this way anymore. I don't have to treat the others this way anymore. I can treat them as one who has been cleansed of that. I can love them. I can please God. I can start doing that today. All right? And then knowing that we're still going to slip All right, John continues on with a but, all right? He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we sin, we have an advocate. An advocate means someone who takes our place. And an advocate is someone who says, I'm going to take what's going on with you and I'm going to give it to God. And, and back and forth as an advocate, as one who sits in between. Jesus is not just someone who died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus is someone who today lives as a high priest sitting at the right hand of God today as we're all here. He is sitting up there saying, bring me your prayers. Bring me, confess to me. I will take that to the Father, and I will continue to cleanse you. I will be there for you. I want you to listen to, turn to Hebrews 4:14, 4, page 1003, I think it says there. Listen to who Jesus is today. We cannot just forget about what he's done on the cross, but he actively is doing things for us today. So Hebrews 4, 14, listen to what it says. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through, who's the great high priest? Only one, Jesus Christ, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our faith. For we do not have a priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses and all we go through, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's talking about Jesus. Let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do any of you guys need grace and mercy? (laughs) We have that today. Jesus is up there sitting at the right hand of God today listening to our prayers, taking the pain we've gone through, saying, I've been through it all. He's been through it all himself. I'm sure much more in having been crucified on the cross for humanity. And he says, I am here for you. I am here for you to bring me whatever you bring me. I'm here to be here for you. To take that grief, just give it to him. To take that guilt, give it to him. To take whatever you're going through give it to him. He is there today to take that. That is who our Jesus is. And it says, based on that, how are we to treat him? <laughs> Hold fast our faith. Hold fast our confession. And don't be afraid. It says, confidence to draw near the throne. Don't be afraid to go to Christ in prayer. Don't think, well, he knows how I'm feeling. I don't have to say anything. You know, oh, I feel shamed. I don't want to pray to God. God knows what you're thinking. He knows how you're feeling, but he wants you to come to him Today so he can take and bring that peace of God within you. And then the last verse, as we, as we wrap this up, is 2.2. Um, it says in 1 John two, Not only is he the advocate, but he is a propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, I'm sure I could walk up to any of you today and say, Jesus is the propitiation of our sins. And say, can you tell me what that means? <laughs> I would have problems trying to tell you what that means. <laughs> All right? It means that he is not just a propitiation for our sins. It, it, um, atonement is another word you would I'd still say atonement. Can you guys tell me what that means? Uh, I don't know. Okay? But this is another aspect, a very important aspect of what Christ has done for us on the cross. That's why John's mentioning it. So I want you to take a look at Romans where it actually says and describes what this is. What is John talking about here? He's a propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? So I want you to turn to Romans 5, 6 through 11. And we'll end on this verse. So Romans 5. 6 through 11. There's so many places in Scripture that basically when someone says, what's the gospel, what's the good news we're supposed to be declaring to this world? Many places in Scripture sort of wrap it up. But this is one of those beautiful places of Scripture that just sort of says it like it is. This is who Jesus is. This is why he died on the cross. This is who we are before and after we put our faith in him. This is who we are as humans that he died for, people he died for. So listen to what it says. Romans 4, Romans 5, 6 through 11. For a while we were still weak, and we were all weak. <laughs> At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And guess what? Who is the ungodly? That was all of us. That is all of us. He died for us. And notice, we know that because it says, for we, (laughs) it starts out, we, who's the ungodly? We are the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the good news. That is the gospel right there. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more, again, I love that, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For a while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the essence of our faith. This is the essence of who God is, who Christ is, why he died on the cross so we could have that fellowship, that reconciliation with God. And notice also what it says, because I know a lot of times people think, oh, there's this God up there, this judge. He's, if I do something wrong, he's going to just come down, and he's going to you know, do something and bring his judgment his wrath on me. And what is, it, what is it saying here? When you have faith in Christ, there is no more wrath. Hallelujah. There is no more judgment of God. We are free of that because of what he died on the, sin, on, on the cross. That is why we are to rejoice, (laughs) to be excited, to tell others about what Jesus has done. And that is what we do. How do we treat God with this? We say, I, we rejoice, but we also go and we share. This is the world, the news the world needs to hear today. This is the good news that we are reconciled to God. And through that, reconciled to one another. I want to just close. If there's any of you here today that you have not placed your faith in this awesome God whose son died on the cross for us. Today, it says in Corinthians, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day for you to say, Lord, I confess my sins. I confess I'm ungodly. I confess I need your forgiveness. I put my faith in you and you will have that reconciliation. You will have that forgiveness. You will have eternal life with Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We rejoice in you that you are a God who loves us so much, more than we can even imagine, that your Son, who is like and became one of us, fully human, but fully God, died on the cross, crucified on the cross, so we today can have forgiveness of sins. We today can be reconciled with you. I pray right now, if there's anybody who doesn't know you, Lord, that they will today say, I place my faith in you. And Lord, for all of us, may we live today and every day rejoicing and knowing what a great God you are and seeking, as Paul say, let the love of Christ control us. We love you, Lord. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Can you all stand? Um, And if anybody wants to come down, you know, we have uh, different people here. If you want to pray, have any kind of any prayers. Um, If you want to talk more about Jesus, I mean, this is the place to do it right here. So feel free to do that. And I want to just close with a very, um, find it here. I want to close with the ending of 1 Thessalonians. You know, Jeff always gives a great benediction. All right, here's my benediction for all of us this is what it says says for all of you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.